0: Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we have a uh, licensed psychotherapist. We have a coach, a trainer, an actor, uh, a writer. Man, I don't know, Jason. What 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 are what aren't you? You're a doctor. We got Doctor Jason Ross in the studio. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on absolutely man it's gonna be a blast and uh you know we'll see we'll see where this thing goes but i always like talking to uh smart people like you and uh, we're gonna have a fun time and we may even just pick on me a little bit today and diagnose some of my issues right so we can, we can
1: do that we'll pull out a dsm-5 we can do it all
0: let's do it let's do it <laughs> um well why don't you for those uh, our listeners that may not know who uh, jason ross is why don't you tell our listeners you a little bit about who you are what's made you the man you are today
1: Whew, okay, there's a, there's a great setup. Um, I'm a licensed psychotherapist in New York and Florida. I'm originally from New York, live in Florida most of the time. I'm actually the son of two psychoanalysts. So I'm the second generation. Yeah, exactly. That's what most people say. That's, that's actually uh, part of my stand-up act because I figured I might as well get something out of it. Um, I, I, I work on uh, basically parenting, trauma, uh, wellness, and I have a lot of experience with substance abuse intervention and chronic mental health. Um, I was very lucky to get a, an amazing experience uh, dealing with chronic mental health working in a psych hospital in Delray Beach, Florida. So, Along with that, I co-wrote a uh, parenting book with my mother called You Can Say No and Your Child Will Still Love You. I've been on TV a bunch of times as a professional. I've been on as an actor because I wanted to figure out how to make a uh, make my family proud yet anxious at the same time by taking on a career that would uh, make very little money. Um, and yeah, that was, that was it. I waited. You know, most, most kids tick off their family early in life. I waited.
0: So like yeah. you have a doctor degree and you're going to go do what?
1: Right. That's it. Yeah. How can you throw everything away? Here's a good way. Um, hold my beer, as they say.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: So uh, I, basically, I work with people trying to really get them out of depressive states um, and work with families to figure out what's really going on, particularly in parenting, as we've had a, a whole shift in the last 25 years. And now with the onset of uh, you know technology and social media, people have kind of lost their way. So I try to help bring them back to where they're at. And ultimately, for most people, it's like how to get them really on, on a path of success um, and trusting and believing in them, themselves because we've lost it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'm a I'm a father of four boys and so I've got a 12, uh, see 12, 10, 8 and 4-year-old. So, I'm no way shape or form a expert at this, but I think, you know, a lot of us parents and a lot of people listen to this show are parents, right? So, I mean, I'd like to dive into some of that stuff and and talk about how do we manage a, a family life in today's fast-paced crazy world of work, work. Uh, get home, go to baseball games. We've got technology. We've got this, we've got that. We're going all these different directions. I mean, what advice do you have for our listeners that are, you know, they're parents. And to your point with technology, the world is changing. What's that kind of high level advice you have? Where are we messing up our kids?
1: Wow. That's a, yeah, that's a great question. I think that's where we're kind of, you know, all struggling is what do you do? I think the, the highlight theme should sort of be, you know, look. people are very good at business, and if they take that approach into the family, you have to wonder how it would turn out. So people who are great at business should often consider taking the same approach at home to say, how are we managing this? You know, if you have a business, you have to think about goals, right? Yeah. You know, what are going to be the fourth quarter earnings or what have you, as, you know, as an example. So parents, when they get into it nowadays, I think have to be a little bit more mindful to say, what do we really want? from our children what's the goal here and you know normally when i ask a family you know what's your job as a parent i'll ask parents what's your job as a parent in one sentence the number one answer i get is well i want my child to be happy and that's that's a really big setup for failure i think what parents really want to do although they don't verbalize it they i think they struggle with it because they haven't prepared is you want to build a resilient child a child who can take the hits yeah so, And, you know, if you've got four four boys, um, you've got a lot of expertise already. Clearly, you'd have to. And that's where we're all getting lost. We're too much on our phones. Um, we, we, we've we gotten into this pattern where we think that simply because a child achieves something, they have self-esteem. You know, if they're the best at what they do, they're the best player, they're going to be really feeling good about themselves. And it doesn't work. It's actually failing miserably.
0: Right. That's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think about that is I was, you know, I'm I'm six foot 165 and I always joke that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, win any bar fights, but I want to train myself and I want to, you know, my kids, my wife's this way as well. We want to be mentally strong, right? And so, I mean, are you seeing that now? I mean, what are, what's some advice we can do to help our kids be mentally strong? I you know, I really, honestly, it's great if they're the best basketball player, baseball player, whatever it may be, but, you know, If they're not, they're not. I don't really care about that stuff, but I want them to be mentally strong. I want them to be humble and and kind, right? And so what advice do you have for parents when we're thinking about that that mental toughness?
1: I think for mental toughness, it's about consequences. You and I are probably from similar generation where, you know, there probably weren't any eighth place trophies, you know, right. Everybody is not a winner. Now with a really small child, that's okay. There's a certain age when it's no longer appropriate. So setting limits and boundaries, saying no, actually uh, gets a child to deal with distress tolerance. You know, we're not going to be happy all the time. And that's what children nowadays struggle with, is they think they're always going to be the best. Many children are told, oh, you're so smart, you're so beautiful, you're so handsome, you know, all these things. And it gives a child an ego, a false sense of self. So to develop mental toughness, technically speaking, Every kid should do martial arts, yoga, and be surfing. That's first of all. (laughs) That that right off the bat, every child should be doing meditation. And if they learn the skills and the frustration and learn to get through it, they're mentally tough. And at the same time, which you're clearly doing, teaching them to be kind, empathy. We've gotten away from that. And that's also a big problem because children don't make eye contact the way they used to. And... You know, where I, you know, where I've lived, I see children not reprimanded or reinforced when they don't do things that are, you know, what we'd consider manners. Right. So if you don't teach them these things, you're not going to have a mentally tough child. And when the going gets rough, they're going to get roughed up. They're going to fall down and they're not going to know how to pick themselves back up. And ultimately, that's what you're teaching if you do it right.
0: Right. I mean, that's the key, right? Get back up one more time, then you get knocked down. And so I think that's the focus. So why is it, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge believer in meditation. I do it not, not every morning, but almost every morning. Uh, my kids do it not as often as we probably should. But, uh, you know, I think it's that's a unique thing that they're, they're starting to learn that. But why is that so important for our listeners that have heard me say that 900 times? Why is that so important for people to meditate, especially our kids?
1: It teaches them how to self-regulate which is maybe one of the ultimate skills. It's almost a knockout punch for life because they can learn how to calm themselves down. What we've seen is that children generally, and not and obviously then if you don't take care of it as a child, you see it as an adult, meditation brings down anxiety. It also teaches a set of skills that a child can implement down the line. We've seen the rates of drug abuse, substance abuse, and uh Related disorders, anxiety, depression, suicide, the, the rates are going up. They should be going down. Why aren't they? We're supposed to be a more advanced society. And the reason is we're not teaching children skills to take control of their environment. They simply expect that, you know, the world is going to cater to them like their parents did, basically, you know, when it goes down the wrong way. So meditation is just, it, it it's like a superpower. You know, if your kid could have a superpower, you might consider it. You know, it's one thing if your kids like a good baseball player. Right. if your kid could your kid could fly, you'd be thinking, maybe I should let him.
0: Yeah, um, right, exactly. <laughs> you know,
1: that's what you know, that's what the Kent's did with with uh, with Clark. That's right. So, meditation is absolutely one of them because it's yours. It's an intang- it's almost an intangible when you know how to use it.
0: So I'm assuming, obviously, with you being a doctor on this stuff. So walk us through the, the process of that, right? So you take your deep breath, the o- more oxygen to the brain. Can you walk us through why it decreases anxiety and why it is so important other than just being able to control yourself and become more mindful? What's the science behind that?
1: Well, the science is sort of, I suppose, twofold. Anytime, anytime we're taking control of the environment and you know, what we sort of see is, well, the serotonin can go up. Uh, I hate to use the word like happy thoughts, but it's kind of how it works. So if a child or adult does it, they're literally putting a shunt on everything. They're stopping the train. That control can do a lot of things. Um, you know, it can affect cortisol levels. Most people didn't, the people who've done meditation know how damn good it is. The people who are afraid of it you know, poo-poo it and want to say, "Oh, it's you know, it's BS, etc." Right. But you're almost, in essence, reworking your your neurons. And people think, "Well, is that important?" Damn straight. If you've had trauma, uh, you need to rework yourself. You, you're, you know, it's like if someone uses drugs, it affects their brain. It affects their brain. It affects response time. It affects. Uh, you know, neurophysiology, I mean, that's the, you know, the bigger view of it, uh, you know, physiologically speaking. So it's one way that you can almost technically lower your heart rate, which is, again, is tied to your anxiety. And once you do that, what you really see is you have more power than you thought you did. What happens? One argument that they seem to be, you know, getting clear, because now they're doing this in schools in a lot of places, is that anxiety goes down, depression goes down, Let's just say joy, happiness, contentment, peace are higher. And that becomes the stasis. You know, that becomes the main level versus someone who's constantly anxious.
0: Hmm. I like it. Um, So let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about uh, change, right? That word change. Everybody wants change right everybody desires change i think but it is very very hard to actually change so so how do we create sustainable change in our lives you know for ourselves whether that be work stuff exercise whatever that change is how do we create sustainable change
1: usually with a lot of help and that's probably the first piece we have to take in is to take our ego out of it you have to be goal oriented It's good to engage others. I think when people have goals, first of all, that are realistic, you know, there's, you know, people talk about like a smart principle, you know, uh, you know, part of it's, you know, measurable, achievable, realistic, time constraint, um, sensible. I think people have to be honest with themselves, really take their own inventory. Um, You know, you have to know who you are and you have to be willing to be honest with yourself. I think we can... All agree that we're kind of all not all but we, we lie to ourselves a lot we, we believe in a fantasy world the world is a fantasy world take a look at social media everybody's showing you know i here i am at this party look at this um you never see anybody post yeah my kid just failed two subjects in the fourth grade like you never see that post on social <laughs> media right Right. Um, someone should do it just to you know. Well, be honest.
0: Funny, my wife and I we, we went and had a, a date last night. We had a, we were having a drink, and I said, "You know don't be awesome is to have a social media, uh, you know, channel, if you will, and like all you do is post like you know the kid puked on me today. Like you literally show all the bad stuff, right? Because we're all guilty of it, right? You post the Correct. best stuff of your world, but it's not all reality.
1: It's it's not right. Yeah. So if people want to you know take their own inventory. And understand why they're doing something you always hear about you need to have your why you know that's the big uh, theme you hear a lot now but but that's true change can be very painful um, my you know my earlier years working I worked as a personal trainer and largely you know I work with people based on weight loss it wasn't to you know get ripped and you know enter competitions people needed to lose weight that's really painful to learn why you need to do that so it's a process. Someone also has to say to themselves, okay, I'm willing to you know, get called out on all my crap because ultimately I'm going to feel better. And that's the starting point for anybody. And if they know why they're doing it, so you know, I, I tell dads, why, do you, you know, why take care of your health? So you can be a supportive husband and father. You're the, you can be the emotional lightning rod for the family if you do it right. And people don't want to take that in because they don't want to look at their own crap. But that's, you know, that's problematic in a lot of families nowadays.
0: Yeah, but I think let's keep staying on that, that topic here. So, like, I get it that, you know, exercise, let's stay on that one per se. So, I I'm thankfully, I'm, I'm in shape. I'm in, I'm skinny, all that stuff. But I am not the best exerciser in the world, right? I know why I need to do it. I know I need a why. I do this podcast every day. I read every day. I mean, all this stuff, right? I, it makes sense. But yet, I still struggle with it all the time. So what's that block and how do you get over those blocks? Uh, and obviously, there's a lot of things you'd probably need to know before that. But just high, high level here, how do you get past that, though? Like, how do you beat that door down?
1: The first thing you need to do is own it. it it's, and when I say own it, I really mean, so if we look at, the, the way to look at your life is sort of through a prism of five categories for wellness, emotional, spiritual, physical, intellectual, and social. Yep. Our lives are based on those five. If we're really honest, we're judging ourselves as to how we do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis in terms of are we modeling this for our children? Because ultimately, if you're a parent, that's, that's where everything is. You model everything. Yep. It's also having a healthy balance. You know, Not everybody has to train for an Ironman. Some people have to do it just to stay fit. So if you're you know, lean, you're obviously doing a lot of things right. If you say, if you'd say to me, you know, I don't exercise at all, then we have to look at why don't you do it? Are you afraid? Has there been an injury? What's, you know, what, what's missing here that you're afraid to challenge? Uh, That's what some people do. Other people, you know, they may be making an excuse for themselves because of past history. Um, They're tired about something. There's something they're not talking about. So when you work with a therapist in particular, they might tear you apart a little bit um, in a nice way to say, what's the real story here? What's it about? Are you setting a goal thinking it's too high, like you're, you're going to be in P90X shape in a month when maybe that's not realistic if you've got children, um, et cetera. And most people, get it, they get caught and then nothing happens.
0: Got it. And I think that is true because my personality, and I think a lot of people listen to this personality, right? It's We want to go from zero to 60 in like two seconds. And mm-hmm. and so having that process and being okay with it taking some time doesn't always work. So then you just may not stay committed, and then it's like next thing you know, it's been a week and you haven't ran or exercised or whatever. So makes sense, makes total sense. What? Um, so you talked about goals earlier, and and getting help um, as creating that change. And so how do you? How do, you, how do you stay goal focused? I mean, we obviously, everybody listening to this knows it's important to have a goal, but, but why? Again, science maybe or, or that desire, that drive. What, what's the, the importance of goal achievement?
1: It's really important that we keep a piece of ourselves that we've had maybe most of our lives. Lots of people played sports growing up, right? So we've sort of, you know, not everybody's going to be a professional athlete, obviously. Not everybody's even going to play, uh, become a college athlete. I got to play college basketball Division Three, very briefly. All I thought about and cared about was that. After that was gone, then what you have to think about the goals. I, to me, you have to dig deep and say to yourself, what might I be able to do with it if I'm either playing the sport, taking care of myself, what do I have to offer what do I have to offer to the people around? Because sometimes, look, the motivation's not there. And yeah, we want the you know we want the quick fix sometimes, and you know we get bitter sometimes. There's days where you know I took pretty good care of myself growing up. I did martial arts, flexibility. Um, I wanted to be as durable as I can. It's gotten tougher as I've gotten older. There's no question. Am I in decent shape? Yeah. Could I be better? Sure. I'm realistic and. You know, sometimes just being a little ticked off drives me a little bit harder to work harder because I feel like I've earned enough that I should feel better. And I know some days I don't and I just have to own it and say, let's get at it. Let's cut the, you know, cut the fat out and just get to it.
0: Yeah. So one of the books I'm reading right now, it talks about you know so many people, we think that happiness comes from success, which couldn't be any further from the truth. We think, oh, if I get that house or I get that car, or I make this X amount of income, I'll be happy then. And I think as people climb the, the ladder of quote unquote success, you, you realize that's not true. And so w- when you think about that, I mean, you talked about the physical, the intellectual, the social, the emotional, the spiritual. Uh, Walk our listeners through why that stuff and having clarity there, in my opinion, having clarity there creates happiness, which then attracts success. Would you agree with that?
1: I would totally agree. That should be like the big poster, billboard, like everywhere. Literally, that should be what you see on the highway instead of like, who can I sue? Right. (laughs) You know, if you take it, so, you know, back to the question you asked before with this, if you take your goals and write them down, it's really important because in business you have meetings, you have everything written out. You have to do that personally, unfortunately, because the world is so busy and so overwhelming and the, the myriad of problems you can have has grown. Everything's exponential. When you do those five components and that really starts as ch- in childhood, um, not too far after birth, believe it or not. It's yours. You grew it. You earned it. So telling a child they're really good looking doesn't really mean much because, in essence, the child was born that way. You know, there's not much, you know, we, we, you know, we can hone a little bit about our looks, but looks are looks. Um, if you're great at a sport and you have a natural talent, that's, that can be sketchy because you could be good and it came easy doesn't really play in your favor. If you're really good in school and you're really smart, you may not be attuned to it. But when you really delve into those five areas, you had to earn it. You had to do the work. If you sat down, thought about, it and said, how can I drive myself, push myself, and up the ante and call yourself out, it's internal. And that's ultimately the difference. So you know, you're saying you could have something and not be happy. Look at how many people have quote, the social media version of life that everything's happy and they're miserable. Look, I'm, in, I'm a therapist. I'm in business because generally people are not happy. We just saw two you know, major uh, suicides yeah. between uh, Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. You know, we thought people think they had it all. They didn't have the internal. And you can only get it by earning it. And even with meditation, you also have to earn it. It's an internal that becomes part of your DNA. And that's what's awesome for a child when they did that.
0: And so when you look at the, the, and I'm using air quotes again here, the happiest people that you know that have earned it, what are the habits and rituals they've done to create that, uh, and again, that sustainable happiness?
1: It seems like wash, rinse, repeat, right? You know, everybody that we know that's that seems to own it, they seem to do the same things over and over. They certainly don't have an expectation, except for their hard work. Um, they're realistic with that. You know, people get stuck in themselves. Most people are unhappy or very stuck in their problems, their mindset. Um, they lack hope that they really seem to lack hope. I always think of that line from, you know, Shawshank redemption where, you know, he says, you know, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things we stop learning how to have hope. And nowadays, you know, we're in a very tough time in the world. And obviously a lot of people are struggling with having hope. You know, we're seeing sort of the malaise of, you know, what we are as people. There's a lot of anger, hostility, um, you know, awful tragedies. We've had, you know, the the school shootings, you know, you can't keep up anymore. So it it sort of has to, everything's got to come from the internal and the people who have it, they seem to do the same things over and over and, there's no negotiation with them. They don't have to negotiate doing the task. They feel like they're not entitled to anything else.
0: Well, I like that too. And I think that a lot of that is, it's almost the non-negotiables. I think as you age and you, you get older and you surround yourself with the right people, there's just certain things that you won't tolerate, right? And so therefore, you won't have exactly. those things in your life. And then I found that the more you can dismiss some of that stuff in your life, the, the, and you surround yourself with great people, it's easier to become happier. Makes sense?
1: That, that, I mean, that's just dead on. I mean, the, you can't put it better than that. That's what they expect. Um, and, you know, generally speaking for people, like when you believe you deserve, it's one thing to be entitled. It's another thing that you, you feel you deserve to be your best self. That's not entitlement. That's personal growth. Very different. We are too mired in entitlement. And if you hear generally, you know, some of the big motivational, you know, gurus out there, they talk about entitlement. If you ever listen to, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, um, he's he's probably as and I'm and I'm old school because I'm the son of analysts. I grew up doing martial arts. I understand emotional intelligence. That's what I always had thrown right at me. He's really, I think, maybe the best at that that your entitlement has to go drive yourself have appropriate good opinions of yourself and don't let anybody get in the way of your joy and your happiness and if you earn that it's yours so too often we're not but too often we're not doing that you understand you know how you become successful and what it really means so it's internal for you yeah
0: Yeah. And I think too, is one of the questions I had for you is about, so we get dealt bad news and so many of us can go out and we can just react. It's easy to react and get pissed and and come at somebody. But it's something, I don't even know what it was, but something triggered when I was reading about some of your stuff that you work on. But, you know, so my question is, how do we avoid reacting versus staying in your lane, staying calm? And maybe this is part of coming from mindfulness and meditation, but how do we stay in our lane and let something play itself out and not have to react so much.
1: Wow. If we could just get everybody to do this piece, we'd be set. I think you said it with the, with the entitlement one, uh, the expectations. I think you're, this is one of the biggest points that, you know, your listeners should really hear is that too many people do overreact, right? I mean, isn't that what we see? Isn't that the train wreck that we always watch now, if it's on TV, if it's on social media, if people are mindful, tied with an expectation, um, they're not going to overreact. Now, well, I'm this guilty of good. doing
0: it. Sorry, to but I'm guilty of doing it like at home too, right? So you know, you, you, I go to work all day. You're chatting, and then you go home, and it's like you know, the kids may do something that you know make you mad the first 38 seconds you're home, and I'm like, I overreact. And then I'm like, well, that was dumb. I should not have done that, right? And I know some of you know, maybe I'm the only one that wants to admit that. But I think you know, talking to buddies and they're like, oh yeah, I'm quick to overreacting as well. And so I think sometimes our kids get the brunt of that stuff because you know, I can't just start running around screaming at home. Or I mean at, at work. And not that I do that all the time at home either, but it's like, you know, they get the brunt of that stuff. And so how do we how do we stay whether it's work or it's at home with our kids or our spouse, whatever it may be just chill, right? And, and just not overreact.
1: The way we can do it really is by, and again, t- I, I hate to over, you know, beat the term to death, but it, it plays out in so many ways, the mindfulness. So, you know, and it, it's really honest of you to be able to say that that's what you do, because a lot of people struggle to even be emotionally intelligent enough to even do that, to say it. So we have to know, look, what's the overriding principle of what I'm doing when I come home? What's my job right now? So, in two-parent homes, it's to be the best tag team this side of the WWE.
0: Hmm. That's the job of parents.
1: You know, you're when you're. You know, when you have it, when you have it. Let's just. You know, we'll take the first the example of an intact family. An intact family, and and again, you know, uh, divorced parents can do it too if they're smart, if they're mindful, Um, emotionally intelligent parenting is to say, all right, why knowing ahead of time. I've had a heck of a day. So, you know, somebody leaves the office and they're willing to save themselves. This was, you know, uh, yeah. Stuart, Smile, Stuart Smiley uh, used to say, like, well, this wasn't my best show. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, we, we, we have to know going in. We've <laughs> had a rough day. So if we're smart, we connect with somebody about it. Maybe it's our spouse. Maybe it's a friend. And then we go into the house a little bit better prepared. Uh to handle what's going to come because, you know, you never know. And look, when there's a lot of children, uh, if, if there's one, you just don't know what you're going to get. So going back to your earlier point about reacting, right? Because we, we all do it in some capacity and we have to take the step back. If we make the mistake a couple of times, then it's incumbent on us to say, you know what, I just got to go in and connect. I can always discipline if I need to later. And the longer we take to respond as parents the better off we are. The lesson can always go through. There's no statute of limitations on parenting.
0: Well, that's a, that's an aha for me. The longer we can take to react or whatever you said that, that, that hit home right there. I'm like, yep, that makes sense. Cause if you just take a deep breath or we jokingly will say at our house, we're going to, daddy's going to go to timeout or, you know, mommy's going <laughs> go to <timeout."> go <laughs> 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 there, there because then you don't react. And then it's like, Oh, how much better when you can, you know, kiss your kids goodnight in a calm way versus being like, go to bed, you know, uh so that's that's a big deal i like that thanks for sharing um so let's talk about fears um every show we talk about this is the fears that you put in your mind collectively you we all have these fears we put in our mind i think most people do uh how many and let's even uh, drill down on you for a second on this is the fears you've put in your mind fear of my stand-up comedy act is going to be terrible or or fear that i'm not going to do well on this tv show that you were on Whatever it may be, how many of the fears you put in your mind blew up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be?
1: The fear is never what you expect; it's always overblown. The I think the upside is that as you get older, you may, uh, if you do it right, you'll learn that any. Let's put it this way: the worst stuff you've been through, you've probably been through. Even a repeat is just not likely. So. If you hey, let's put it this way, if, if if the average person was going going out to a bar, right, and they wanted to, you know, meet somebody, you know, to have a relationship with, let's just say, you'd never go in saying, "I got no shot here," you know. Right. <laughs> you, you, you would never tell that. You know, we we all hear the jokes about a wingman. You know, your, your wingman never says you got no shot. That's never <laughs> what it is. You're a terrible. Man. <laughs> Right, You would get rid of them. If they were a business partner, you'd be ready. You'd only only listen to them if you really thought they were honest and cared. Then it would be fine. So um, I got lucky. Um, I did an audition to be a a, a contestant on a show called Remote Control, which was on MTV, Hmm. which was um, in 1989, which is uh, Adam Sandler and Colin Quinn and Dennis Leary got their kind of big break. Huh. And I was a pretty shy, yeah, I was a pretty shy, quiet kid. And I went up and did one or two of my impersonations in front of four hundred students, um, which was the biggest thing I had ever done. And I got a standing ovation, and it shocked the hell out of me. And let me tell you, I was scared, yeah. Um, especially I was, you know, I think I was barely nineteen, so or eighteen. I can't, I can't remember at this point. So uh, the fear was. It, the fear was, you know, not unimportant. But I can't think of anything that any of us have ever did where the fear, like if you're going swimming with great white sharks, okay, your fear right. is warranted. That's different, yep. Yeah, you're going into combat. Okay. Um, outside of that, <laughs> you got to ask yourself, do I feel lucky? You know, and and that's the approach I think that more people need to take. Yep.
0: So let's talk about the actual circuits of success. When you hear the word attitude, what comes to mind?
1: Better be positive. Make or break attitude, yeah. Attitude is attitude. Mindset is basically almost everything because it's one of the only thing that trumps skill. Hmm. You know, if you have two people with the, you know the commensurate amounts of skill, who who ends up winning? If you had That's two right. athletes, right? I'm going to hit best- the ball,
0: or I'm going to strike out. But we're both the same 300 hitter. I win every time if I'm telling myself I'm going to get a hit.
1: Exactly, and. You know, it, overconfidence is not a good idea, but certainly mindset preparation. The, uh, you know, look at the great athletes of, of you know over time. I think we can argue that most of them, the mindset uh, was probably the overarching factor. If you look at the people yeah. who made it versus didn't, athletes who arguably should not have made it as far. Um, what, what, what was the what was the defining factor? Attitude.
0: Yep. That's great. And I think too, what you just say, your your mindset preparation. So on the days that you do wake up, we all have these. You wake up, you don't want to be in the best attitude. In fact, you may be kind of pissed off a little bit. So what do you do in the morning to get yourself in the right frame of mind, even on the days you don't want to do it? For me,
1: I think usually it will be, I don't want to live with any regret. That's what I, I struggled with and why I ended up doing some of the things I, I got to later in life, you know, taking on um, an acting career. I don't see any way to do it. And I, and I think for me as a practitioner, if I don't do that, I can't impart it to the people around me and the people around me, whether it's professionally or personally, I think it's important to have that. And, you know, I think we all understand that if you have a sense of gratitude, you're lucky you get to do it. Yep. So I have no excuse. It's like have, you have to just be able to say, do you have any excuses not to get it done today? Oh, no, you don't. Okay, <laughs> <Right>. then.
0: <laughs> a little self-talk. Well, I think, too, to your point yeah. is that regret. What well, you just said, I don't want to have regret. And I, I one of my favorite quotes I share a lot with people is, discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. Oh, right? man. That's powerful. Discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. So the discipline is, I wake up, I don't want to do it today. Well, I can do that. But if I continually go day after day after day and not do it, what am I going to wake up with one day? Regret, right? That weighs exactly. tons versus the discipline of, gosh, today I really don't want to do it. But you know what? I'm going to put one foot on the floor. I'm going to take one step. And then all of a sudden, God, oh my gosh, I had a great day, right? And it's just, you got to you got to do it because we don't want to have that regret. Um, so now let's talk about, so you got attitude and now we got beliefs. What, what's the belief system that you think to the core fundamentally Success happens when or happiness happens when these things happen. What is that?
1: I think when you have the integrity and truth and you're truthful with yourself You can't you know, you can't lie to yourself about certain things. That's why regret is a problem Regret is is on the same par as shame You can't just erase it Um, so if your belief system is such you're going to say to yourself. I have no excuses I don't want to face any thought of it. And for most of us, I think, you know, if there's any level of success, um, however that's defined. And again, it's also based on that person, um, whatever they deem their success, um, that's great. But if you have to lie to yourself, that's you can't get around that. That's your integrity. You, you can go ahead and try, uh, but the consequences to me would be severe.
0: And then the last one, uh, well, there's action and then there's results because you got to get results. But the last one I always talk about is the action. I mean, what's the action? What's the stuff you got to do every single day to make it happen?
1: I think you you, you have to have a plan, you know, whether it's daily, weekly, you know, if you have basic goals, more specific goals, it's I think it's about an attitude of what you're trying to accomplish. If you're all about yourself, eh, you know, there's a certain level of healthy narcissism, I think, that works. And then there's a point where it's just that nauseating narcissism that we've come to associate with all the ills of society. Yep. If your if your underlying purpose is is personal growth that you know reaches out and connects to others because that is the job of human beings. Technically, is to connect. I think you're going to do great if you don't have that inherent. You know when you wake up. So you know if you're you know you're a father, there's a connection with you know spouse. There's a connection with children, and ultimately, you know why am I here? So that kind of goes you know that reverberates through everything you do, every principle and belief you have, um, you know faith, spirituality, uh, etc.
0: So what would you go back and tell Dr. Jason Ross about ten or fifteen years ago? What would you tell that guy?
1: I I would tell myself you're going to figure it out and i would probably tell myself go screw up as badly as you can on purpose. Hmm. Hmm. That's what i would that's the one thing trust that no matter what um you're going to find a way. I think that's probably the one thing i would have done because when i was you know 10 15 year 15 years ago i went through a major you know change i'd say in my in my personal life and started to, you know, change careers. And I didn't have, I think the confidence in one particular area, which came over the next, you know, grew over the next decade. And ultimately I feel like still grows. That's, that's what I would have told myself. Go go fall, go fall, go fall down as hard as you can. Um, and I think I kind of went and did it later.
0: Well, and you'll, you'll surprise yourself and you'll get back up. It won't be as bad as you thought it was going to be. And you'll learn from it. And I mean, as long as we learn from our mistakes, right, that's the best possible data we can get. Learn from the mistake. So I give, you, uh, I give you 10 million bucks. You cannot invest it or pay off debt or give it to charity because those are probably one of the three things that you would want to do. Most people would. So you can't do those three things. What would you do with 10 million bucks today?
1: what would I do? 10 million bucks. I can't invest it. I can't give it away. Right. That's what you said. That's right. I have to be honest. I don't know if I would do anything differently if I wasn't doing those things. I think it would only give me a drop more leverage to go and do it, do what I do. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was able to go and start an acting career last year. And you know, people say, you know, would you give up your, are you going to give up your therapy practice? And I said, no freaking way. Like, do you know how hard I worked for this? Do you know what I went through to get to this point right. that I knew I needed to be? Like, this was who I am. Like that growth. I said, I'm doing this to the day I die. Now I may be able to do it in a different way. i may be able to get the ideas, concepts to a bigger audience. But uh, other than that, to me, you know, it's about connecting with people. How do you lift others? And do you need money to do it? If it'll help you to do it, great. Um, but if you're not giving, if you're not giving it away, you're not investing it. Mm. I'm not sure I would do, you know, too much more.
0: Yep. You know, I'm exactly. not. You know,
1: it's like. Yeah. I'm not buying a Ferrari. I got, I got a bunch of, you know, guitars. So I'm, what am I going to
0: do? <laughs> right. Exactly. And you're sitting yeah. in right now, right? I mean, so the 10 million bucks wouldn't even buy a house out there. So what else are you going to do? Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you
1: know, I'm, you know, I've been, I've been, I'm happy wherever I go, you know, when I'm out, you know, out at the outer edge of Brooklyn for a year, um, wherever I go, that's where I am. So, you know, these are like places, they're, they're things and they're, you know, it's about getting the experiences and that's what people have gotten away from. Is your goal is to get experiences, learn every damn thing you can and get the experiences in life. You know, you can do a bucket list without waiting.
0: I'm, I'm having chills right now as I think you're reading my notes because literally my last question was and my comments were going to be life is all about experiences. What's next on your bucket list?
1: What's next is uh, I'm going to say finishing the job that I started. So I've done stand up great um, and I do it occasionally. I enjoy it. I'm lucky that I've been able to do it and that, you know, if anybody finds me funny ever, I'm like really grateful, <laughs> um,
0: you know, yeah, cause I go wasn't to dinner and you, hang out for a while. Right. you like, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. When, when, uh, when, uh, when I started doing stand up comedy, a couple of high school friends saw me and they go, you weren't funny in high school, were you? And that really tells you where you were at. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, for me, uh, continuing, continuing acting, getting to, uh, you know, hopefully I can speak on a bigger forum, uh, when it comes to psych topics, you know, lecturing and, uh, I put together a, a pilot that I'm working on, but to do what I've done, you know, I've played in a Beatles tribute band. I've done the things that I've wanted to do. I just want to do more of them and, you know, get out there where, um, anybody else who, if one person, you know, you do this podcast. So if one person listens to one thing, you say one person, you're like, Hey, one person listened that helps somebody. Right. So it's a driving, it's a driving force for, you know, for us. So that's kind of how I look at it.
0: Well, uh, Dr. Jason Ross has been phenomenal having you and, uh, really appreciate your insight today. I've enjoyed the time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate all the questions.